I talked about it now. I went from Sunday League at 16, made my Premier League debut at 19, and then got relegated out of the Football League at 21. I had nobody. That sort of coincided with me hitting rock bottom, getting relegated out of the Football League, drinking, gambling, all them things that sort of where I found myself. I almost like met this person who gave me that understanding of, you know what, you can actually change that by changing your thinking. Like taking yourself out of your body and looking at yourself and then being able to pass judgment on this person sat there. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. There's a thing on, on the wall of my daughter's bedroom saying the impossible is possible. So I feel like the mentorship side of it is really, really valuable for me to learn and grow on what these kids are thinking about and also for them to understand from an older player's perspective what's expected of them. It's a 100% mindset because your mindset controls your skill set. Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full, real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, so hopefully you will too. But it was a, an enjoyable experience just catching up as well, pre-recording. There's so many interesting areas of conversation with this individual, um, and many of which we do cover off in this episode alone. So to introduce our fabulous guest on the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show, specifically here for the What It Takes series, we have an English professional footballer with us who is just starting his final season as a professional player at the same time as he's approaching the ripe old age of 40 where life is meant to begin so from experiencing the heights of the challenge and status of the premier league right to the relegation and challenge of a different kind dropping out of the football league altogether and then from 2004 to now staying with one club which is doncaster rovers and this is where I have uh, had the pleasure of meeting this individual uh, some 10 years ago and um, found out then what he's up to now, seen what he's up to alongside his playing career. I just knew that he had to be on the show. So ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, make yourself a cuppa and enjoy. This is the interview with Mr. James Coppinger of Doncaster Rovers. You can expect a lot of emotion, some rather raw emotion in there, personal insight, honest accounts and some great perspectives on what it takes to be successful and develop a professional mindset. So James, we had a, a wonderful chat um, last week or the week before and I could have literally have spoken to you for days um, because we covered so much off, like you know, we've we've, we've got so much um, interesting content to to get dug into, and it actually made my job coming offline from you very very challenging on, on lining up this interview because I literally was like, okay, that's wonderful, but where do we start? I could have done a whole freaking series with you, um, <laughs> so um, that, that's great because we've got so much to go at. But what I want to start with really is. Um, it's basically going back a little bit to your early career because I know, or early on in your career, because I know at one point you'd, you'd said as well that you didn't even necessarily want to be a professional footballer. So how has that all then transpired how it has? <laughs> yeah, I think that was an interview that I had um, a few years ago when I never really thought about it as a kid. You know, growing up, I was from a small town and sort of brought up in this bubble um, where sort of my, my grandma, granda lived around us, aunties, uncles. Um, I would say like one of the best upbringings um, a kid would ever want to have. But I never had aspirations to be anything. Um, I loved playing football and wherever I went, I took a football with me. But growing up, you have kids and parents that sort of want their kids to be professional footballers or something. And the kids that, like my, my, my kids now and kids that I train in, in their teams want to be professional footballers but for me never entered my head at all so at 16 leaving school I didn't have a clue really what I wanted to do. So then 
if that was the case, how did how then did it all come about from that at sixteen? Because you was you obviously then got propelled straight into it. Yeah, so I did sort of like everybody else. My parents came into school. We did sort of um, going through what do you want to do when you leave? And fortunately for me, I was I was I never went to an academy or a school of excellence. Um, they were called at the time. I'd been rejected by five different clubs. I'd never sort of pushed myself forward. Whenever I went on trial, I think I went on trial at Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Sunderland, all local clubs to me, Nottingham Forest. And I never pushed myself forward. I always let people, I always sort of blended into the background. And again, probably because of my mentality and how I was brought up, I was never sort of coerced into doing that. And I never went to a school of excellence. Like I said, I played Sunday League all the way up until I was 16. And then fortunately enough for me, somebody, a scout saw me who who was representing Darlington Football Club, who were a League One club at the time, saw something in me. I scored a hat-trick in this game and then I, I went on trial and then they offered me a, a YTS, like a two-year YTS at 16. Okay, so that's that. That all changed and that, that's how they say, you know, things can change practically overnight, even though it wasn't overnight. It came from your interest generally in it, even though you didn't know it was the avenue that you were going to be exploring. But so you're in it, you're in the thick of it. So tell me what's your secret. Like all those years on, like what are you now? Are you into your 23rd, 24th year? Yeah, 23rd, 24th professional season. So I, I started professional football at 17 I signed my first contract it was actually with Newcastle so eight months into that YTS Newcastle signed me for 1.8 million and sort of my life changed I, I talk about it now I went from Sunday league at 16 made my Premier League debut at 19 and then got relegated out of the Football League at 21 so in five years I'd, I'd, I'd made that transition for the four years I was at Newcastle United I never believed I should have been there but changing my mindset and changing my thinking at 21 after I'd been relegated out of the Football League basically propelled me to a different level in terms of, of what I thought was achievable. So things changed for me completely at 21 yeah. um, by what I call developing a professional mindset. Yeah. And once I started to develop that and understand what it was and what it looked like and, and how I could do it, um, like you said, I've gone on 16 years um, over 650 games for one club, three promotions, cup final win. I've earned millions of pounds. Um, although I say that, and it's not something that's ever motivated me money, the, the, I say the sort of accolades rather than the money, it's never been the main motivation for me. Although, obviously, it's a, it is a motivation, but it's not the main focus. So, yeah, 39, 40, going into my final season, I'd say the secret and the thing that's kept me going is, is understanding that I could change my thinking and develop something that, again, is, is alongside a professional footballer. Is, it's so important to have that professional mindset. So tell me more then about that professional mindset because um, obviously, you know, it's not all, you just said about all the transition then of then being um, being in the Football League and then being relegated and, you know, all of the, that in, that interchangeable um, nature, even within a short frame period, time period, sorry, of uh, four years. Now you're talking about that de developing a professional mindset. It's not all been um, a smooth sail for you, has it? <laughs> I, you know, it's not a case of, oh, well, you had a rough few years and then you've just gone on to be amazing and uh, earn all this money and, and, and live your dream. It's not been the case of that, has it? So tell me a little bit more about the, the, the mindset and your experience around it. No, it definitely hasn't. And you're right. I think it doesn't just work like that. But it starts with wanting to find out why. Well, for me personally, wanting to find out why people are successful and why people are go on and have amazing careers and I met somebody called Terry Gormley who transformed my life completely on and off the pitch and he sort of started that process and the first thing for me was understanding that I, I like accountability so understanding that I'm accountable for everything that I do I I played sort of for five years of from 16 to 21 I let other people make decisions for me that impacted my life and my career and it was unbelievable, really, because when I realised, and it, it seems so silly to say it, but when I realised that wasn't the case and that I could I could make all them decisions, yeah. things just changed for me completely. And, and it wasn't just that one thing, but that was the sort of tipping point was I'd watched my mum and dad divorce at 16. And like I said, I had the best upbringing ever, but my, my world came crashing down at 16. 
along with me moving to Newcastle. Um, my granddad died of cancer at 21, and he was my inspiration, my hero. He was the person that took me everywhere football-wise. He, he was the one that believed in me. Um, and I literally watched him die in front of me. So, like, from somebody who sort of had all these things going on that everybody thought were really good, making my Premier League debut, um, been a professional footballer at one of the best Premier League clubs in, in the country at the time um, under Sir Bobby Robson. I had all these things that were going on outside of football. Um, and I wasn't, I never ever sort of dealt with them. So I never sort of went to see somebody and never spoke about it really. And then I moved to Exeter um, by myself, 360 miles away from home, no support network. My mum and dad were dealing with their divorce and having their sort of issues and problems. And I had nobody. So again, that sort of coincided with me hitting rock bottom, getting relegated out of the football league, drinking, gambling, all of them things that sort of where I found myself. And then, like what we just spoke about there, I almost like met this person who gave me that understanding of, you know what, you can actually change that by changing your thinking. I was in such a sort of difficult place. It was almost like it took a while, one year, two years, three years, and 16 years down the line. It's been a constant development. Um, so every single day, I have an opportunity to improve myself as a football player, as a person, as a dad, as a husband. And that's what motivates me. That's what drives me forward. I mean, that's that's brilliant. And obviously, thank you for sharing some of like the personal stuff there, because um, you know that is all of the the, the fabric, isn't it? That um, that that creates us as people. You know, that's life. We you know we all have stuff to deal with. We have family uh, stuff to deal with. You know, p- people sadly do leave us. We don't tend to talk about it and we don't tend to think that particularly then people such as yourselves that, you know, that are in professional sport don't have all that to deal with as well. They just see you as, you know, the person on the pitch. They don't see you ha- as having all of the external stuff to deal with. Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, how Terry worked with you? And like, you know, you said about changing your mindset, but, but how did that work? Like, how, like how did that then first come into the fore um, because this was quite a, an uncomfortable challenging time for you weren't it at, at that particular time yeah I think I got told by the manager and I've been subsequently told by Terry that he met with the manager and the manager didn't buy into this at all he Terry said to the manager look if you can give me one player and I can work with him and you can see the results then it'll give you a better understanding of, of what this is about and he said well I've got this one player James Coppinger who when he trains day-to-day, he's the best player by country mile. But when he plays on a Saturday, he's just a different player. We can't get sort of what we want out of him. So the manager told me to go and meet Terry at the Old Bellevue. Um, and I went down, didn't really know what to expect. And I sort of went into the old boardroom, sat there, started speaking to Terry. And it was unbelievable, really, how, how things transpired. Um, I broke down in the first session because because of what I just spoke about there with my granddad and my mum and dad, I'd never addressed it, never spoke about it. And that first session, I remember Terry, it sort of gives me things talking about now. He sort of put me in, a, in a, a different sort of position, sort of with me looking at myself. So he, he, he told me to stand up and, and look at myself where I was sat. And he, he talked about my granddad and sort of what would he be saying about James right now, about where he is and how he, and it was just like, it was unbelievable in terms of I'd never thought about it like that. I never thought about me as that sort of individual who was sat there. And when I did, and when I looked at it from a different perspective, it sort of hit home like how I would sort of letting people walk all over me, let people take advantage of me, um, all these things that have been going on. And instantaneously, I remember leaving that session, going home to, to my wife and sitting on the, on the top of the kitchen and going, you know what, like, things have just changed, like, like that, like, that quick, because I changed my thinking, I decided that, you know what, I'm not having it anymore, I'm going to take responsibility for my life, and it starts now, and then we worked subsequently, sort of, um, every, every week, and then it went every fortnight, and then every month, um, and we worked on, sort of, dealing with disappointment, um, working on performance, what, sort of, how my thinking was day to day, how I was letting coaches and managers affect my thinking on a match day um, when I shouldn't, like filtering certain things, 
so many different things, unconscious thinking and conscious thinking that changed my consistency. I, I've gone on and played 40 plus games every season for the last 18 seasons based on what I learned or what I've learned and about sort of trusting what I do every single day and what I've been doing since I was eight years old and not worrying and thinking about things on the pitch and just before I go onto the pitch. So there's so many different things now that I, I, I teach players um, and people um, that help them in their lives and their sort of performances. I can, see you sm- I can see you smiling because I, I feel like you probably had the same sort of uh, journey or some similar, similar I'm sort smiling of thing. because everything that you've said, um, obviously I, I know what all the tools are, what, what, what Terry's used with you and you know what you went through and, the, and that, that task on your first session is perceptual positioning. So yeah. it from different perspectives and you know, you're looking at the bird's eye view and, and automatically where, you know, where we all are and, and normally where we all operate from is that, is that, is that position of being emotionally attached and you can't, you can't see anything else. Um, and obviously then that's why, that's why that is so powerful because you've just, you know, you were welling up talking about it. Because it gives me goosebumps now thinking about it because yeah. like it's, it's so sort of surreal. Like you say, you're looking constantly as a, as a person, as a player out of your own eyes. And, and I think it's huge as well when you analyze your performances as a footballer and you're looking um, on videos of yourself, they're huge, they're massive for people's development. And it's the same with things like this, like taking yourself out of your body and looking at yourself and then being able to pass judgment on this person sat there. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So, so on that then, um, because obviously other people's opinions, right, and judgment and the pressures and the external environment that, that we've all got, you know, irrelevant of, of who we are. You know, it could be the kids in the playground or whatever. It could be anybody. We've all got other people's influence on us. But other people's opinions is, is like one of the biggest factors that hold people back in anything that they're doing. And obviously for yourself, being in the position that you are as a footballer, we're putting the spotlight on that and we're magnifying it by 10,000. <laughs> and so it's a case of how do you deal with that? Obviously, I know it's not just one uh, part of it and all the work that you've just been saying, but how do you deal with that and the, the other people's judgment? Because that, that could be a fine line for people with whether or not they, they do make it and deal with it. And like you were saying, you couldn't then replicate what was happening on the training ground onto your match days um, because of all the external factors. So, like, what was it for you that, that actually then solidified that so you deal with it consistently? I think I think the conscious and unconscious thinking when that when he explained that to me, and whether that's right or wrong, or whether there's so many different variations of it. The the one that the that worked for me was the the learning to drive a car sort of a manual car when you first drive you're thinking about sort of putting your clutch in changing gear um, and then obviously steering and then looking in your mirrors and all the rest of it and you're absolute a mess until you get better and improve and improve and improve and then all of a sudden um, you, you don't even think of any of that and you're driving um, and that's when you start unconsciously driving you unconsciously thinking it's the same with a football match and training and uh, games I was conscious in most of my matches when Dave Penny, the manager, was sort of saying to J- look, James can't replicate what he's doing in training. Because in training, I wasn't thinking about anything. It was just happening for me. Whereas on a Saturday, I was constantly thinking about the crowd, about the opposition, about the manager, about what they think, about what these think. So as soon as I sort of understood that, then I could start developing strategies and an understanding of, right, just trust everything that you've been doing through the week. So I consciously make an effort to train really well through the week. And then just trust that it's going to happen on a Saturday. And nine times out of ten, it did. I, I, I believe that my, con, my performance levels has been consistent as anybody at any level because of the amount of games that I've played and the success that I've had. And that's down to that. It's down to I've scored goals and done things in football matches that I can't remember because I've been in an unconscious state. I've scored goals and I've come off and I can't relay them over my, over in my mind I scored one the other night again, the other day against Bradford and people are like how did you even see that and I'm like I honestly don't even know like it's just it just happens within the game because I can trust what I've been doing and what I do and um, so that was a big one for me also 
understanding that what I'm doing is the right thing. So I think if you live by a certain sort of set of rules or values, always go back to them values. So if people are questioning you and asking you or criticizing you, I think if you can always go back to something, and I, I call it professional mindset now, whereas I think if you have that thing that's tangible because mindset, self-development, personal development, psychology, whatever you want to talk, call it, because you can't see it, it's so difficult to understand and for people to, to sort of grasp. Whereas I think if you've got it and you call it something and you keep adding to it, you can always go back to it. So if you have a disappointment, if you have a setback, if something happens that's out of your control, you always go back and go, you know what, this is, this is what I was trying to do or this is what I've, I've tried to do. Um, it's the right thing. Reset and go again. Mm. That's, that's something that's been really valuable for me. So we can, I mean, we can, we can label it all sorts, you know, in terms of you know, personal development, self-development, like, like what you've just said, mindset. Where does mental health come into it? Um, I think mental health is an everyday occurrence. I genuinely feel like everything that I'm talking about or we're talking about in terms of thinking, that's why I, I've been sort of toying for five years. I've had my company Pro Mindset and it's evolved over time. And what I've got to the stage now where we're developing or people are developing a mindset or um, a thinking regardless of whether they're working on it or not. Again, unconsciously by what they watch on the telly, what they see on the news, what they see other people doing, what they see on social media. They're beginning to develop this, this thinking that, that basically dictates how they act and what results they get. So I think that's mental well-being, mental health. Um, and I think if you can control that, if you can understand what it is, how to control it, limit what you watch, um, limit who you hang around with and what people, what people say, take in what you think's good for you and, and how to control that. Um, there's so many different variables, but I believe mental health is just part of everybody's life. I, to I totally agree. I, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. But the thing is, with mental health, just the label itself, there's so much stigma around it. And I know, obviously, you know, um, it, it's becoming a lot more um, acceptable to talk about. Um, but is it is it still stigmatised um, in the dressing room for, for yourselves, or is it something that is now more open to talk about because of like the need for mindset on the field? I think it'll always be stigmatised, in my opinion, like a lot of things. There'll always be people that will look at it in a certain way, but it's about, again, changing the mentality. It's almost a generational thing. I think over the next 10, 15 years, I think things will change and you will start to see people become more aware of what it is and what it looks like. Again, because people can't see it. I talk about it all the time. Like, If you want to improve your passing or your shooting or your heading, you go out and do it on the training pitch and you can see an improvement. If you want to sort of practice or improve your strength, your speed, you go in the gym and you work with um, the right people. But you can't actually see um, your mental health and you can't actually see how you think. Um, it's so difficult to measure. That's why I feel people don't understand it and, and can't understand it. I um, don't want to understand it. It's almost like it scares people because they can't see it. I think if you could see it and you could see what it was about, then um, it would be so much easier. Um, but it isn't. So for me, I think there'll always be that stigma attached because it's the unknown. But at the same time, I think it's about trying to create a better understanding of what it is. And I think it's, I think it's really, really good how everybody's getting involved in terms of whether it be on a small scale or a big scale, people are starting to talk about it and starting to understand what it is. And I think it'll start to become the norm, you know, like what we just spoke about, it'll start to become part of everybody's life, um, which it already is for me, but people start understanding, look, it is, it is what it is. We have to deal with, we have to deal with stuff all the time. I spoke about it, about losing my granddad at 21 to cancer. I've lost four people, three to cancer and, and my, my mother-in-law to a brain tumor since that time. But I've learned to develop how to deal with that and how to cope with it. So I was in a much better frame of mind and state of mind to deal with it and almost draw inspiration on their life um, moving forward in my life. So I think understanding that that's possible and you can do that is huge. And it's just the likes of yourself, myself, people that sort of spread that word. 
I think eventually we'll get that message across. Yeah, it's it's one of the it's one of the biggest challenges that we have. Our middle pillar of the business is uh, excellence, and within that, obviously, it is your it's, it's your non tangible formats. Um, so you know your awareness, your behaviours, your 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 mindset, all the stuff that like you know you can get somebody working on the health, you can get somebody working on the fitness, and there's something tangible around it where that you know they can jump on the scales, they can look at the body composition, you know that you know if you're running a 10k quicker, um, yeah. and then on the the wealth column, you know what you're doing with your business, where the tangible shifts are, you can measure your marketing, you can measure your income, you can measure your profit. But you can't then, like you've just said, you can't measure the same when it comes to your self-belief, your confidence, your um, your your ability, you know, your your reaction speed, um, your perspective. That's all the that's all the the stuff that's it's foundational and absolutely crucial that feeds into both of those other areas and like feeds directly, like what you've just been saying, onto onto your match day, onto your yeah. performance. And you know, that is that is ultimately, um, and for me. Um, I would say that the definite secret to success for, for anybody, you, you talk about uh, you know, what's, a, what's a successful routine and a habit that footballers have and there's um, people say about, oh, well, I have to put my left boot on first. <laughs> Um, and if I don't put my left boot on, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be performing correctly, or you know, I'm not going to come off a man of the match and stuff like that. And it's like. Is that, is, is that really true or is that just superstition? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more to it than that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I think that used to be the case. I think before <laughs> things like this evolved, but I think I've read a book called The Stupid Footballer is Dead by Paul McVeigh and a former professional footballer. And I genuinely believe that that is right in, in talking and saying the stupid footballer is dead. The footballer that is a component that I think every professional athlete needs if they want to be successful I, I genuinely believe that you can be successful I made a Premier League debut with no mental awareness or understanding whatsoever but I believe if I'd have had a better understanding of how to deal with expectation uh, disappointment um, all these things I believe I would have had a better career a longer career at a higher level so it, there's a fine line between people opening up to this and understanding look well, why do I need this? I'm already playing at a professional club or a professional or a Premier League club. I've already done this. I've already done that. But it's not about that. It's about sort of looking at where you're going to be in 10 years and, and how you're going to develop as a person as an, as a, and as a player and as a, whether you're in business or whatever. Like having these sort of things and putting these things in place will allow you to maximize your ability if you've got really good ability, if you've got really good physical attributes. It will allow you to maximize that for a longer period of time. Do, do you find that people are um, really receptive to conversation and you know engaging with you on all of this? Because I know you do. Um, I know you do a lot of mentorship with the the academy and what have you. Are you finding that people are engaging with it and are interested? Because there's a, again, there's like a false uh, a misconception basically around personal development and mindset development and the, like you've just been saying about the continual growth and um, you know your, your marginal gains through through that consistent effort that you have you only have your de development and you only look and consider your mindset if you're broken and you need to be fixed yeah and it's not always it's not the case is it no so not, not in yeah not at all and I think you're right I think that is a huge misconception because I genuinely believe this should be part of people's makeup from a young age. You should learn to develop this. Um, and when things happen within your life, whatever that may be, there's things that you can learn and, and how to deal with the best best possible way. Um, yeah, whether people are comfortable or not, I, I'm not sure. Um, I think, again, people are coming round to it. Um, but for me, I think it's my responsibility to communicate it in the right way. So I've looked at it and go, you know what, I could communicate it in the way that scares people and this is weird and wonderful stuff and it's almost like I put myself on a pedestal and go, you know what, I'm really brilliant because I do this. Um, but that is the total wrong way to go about it. If I want to inspire, if I want to help, if I want to sort of change people's thinking, it's my responsibility as a mentor um, and as a, as a coach to do it in a way in which people buy into it. Um, and, and I think that is the hardest thing, is doing it in a way that people go, you know what, this is actually really good. And this guy, 
has got really, really successful out of this and he's a decent person. Yeah. Um, so I might have a look at this. And then once you've got the buy-in, you can start to feed in, because I know that it works. I know that it's real. Again, me and you, have, we've, we've read books. We've, we, you sort of, you model excellence. You go and find out why people have been so successful and there's clues all over. And it's no coincidence that I read a book, you read a book. We go and take bits and pieces from them and then we, we start being successful. Um, so what amazes me and I imagine amazes you is why people aren't doing this. Yeah, it amazes me every day and, and it's a case of um, people, that's what I say, people think that it is down to uh, having to be uh, broken and then fixed. Um, but then also people, you hit the nail on the head where you said about, you know, you growing so that you're a better person within 10 years. People expect that it's just a one-off kind of buy-in and yeah. um, just work on something um, for a, a small season. And it's like, well, no, it's a lifetime commitment. Your development, your growth is a lifetime commitment, isn't it? Um, because yeah. it, you know your, your mindset is a is a it's a muscle essentially, isn't it? And you need to keep consistently working it and making sure that it's strong, making sure that it's resilient, making sure that it's like um, receptive. It's the same as anything else. You know, you can't you can't stop training in terms of your skills, can you? You can't stop any of any of what you do in, in terms of your, your your training regime and then expect to just be called onto a pitch and, and, and be match fit on a on a Saturday. You need to be consistently training and your mindset's no different. So the challenge is obviously um yeah you're right in terms of communicating uh, what it is to people and what it can give and, and how they can benefit, but also then the, the, the buy in that it's a it's a long game. Massively, and I had this conversation with a young young lad that's doing really well and has a really strong mentality. He works on this and, and he's really open to all this. And I had this conversation with him today exactly around this in about, I'm 39, so I had five months off, the longest time I've had off um, in my career. And I started to question, you know what, I'm going back and will I be able to go back into training and compete with these 18, 19, 21-year-olds. So the longer it went, the, the time came that I had to go back. And I, I sort of walk into training and there's that doubt in my mind. But as soon as I start doing what I've been doing for 24 years, I click into this, um, this place where I can't get out of. And it's, it's because I've been doing what you said, because I've been doing it every single day and been conscious of, right, I have to do it at this level. My standards are that high in training that it just happens for me now. Whereas for a lot of players that go through the motions day to day and think it's just going to happen, they don't have any longevity, they don't have any consistency, and they're hoping and praying that it's just going to happen on a weekend. Whereas for me, it's ingrained within my makeup. And it's funny because it's probably the first time that I've noticed that I don't have to really think about that. I shouldn't have doubted myself, but it's just a natural sort of instinct to doubt yourself. And it wasn't a lot of doubt. It was just, you know what, will I be able to do it? And uh, the first week I ran more than anybody in my group. So out of five people, I ran the most. I've been as fit as anybody else in the group to an extent. Obviously, there's people that have different sort of levels. But with what I'm used to doing, I've been as fit as anybody else. Performance-wise, I've performed as well as anybody else. But it doesn't surprise me because of like what we said, it's, and this is what I said to him, and I hate this cliche, is embrace the sort of um, the journey. When people talk about enjoying the journey, enjoying the day-to-day -day stuff, it's like, come on. Like, but it, that's what it's about. It's, it's about it. I read, I read the book, um, Shoe Dog, and it was unbelievable because when he'd, when he'd make Nike what it was and got to the end and made, been a, he was a billionaire, he was like, you know what, I'd swap all this money so I could go back and do the whole thing again. Because he loved the journey of of sort of making Nike what it what it had become, and that's what that's what stuck with me. It's like I really enjoyed the journey, and I and I enjoy every day getting better and better and better. It's coming to an end now. Obviously, my career is coming to an end, but I'm starting a new journey with mentorship and um, inspiring other people and making them believe they can achieve anything that they want. So again, I'm going to enjoy that journey. I'm going to enjoy every single day trying to do that and how. I can get that across and who I can do, who, who I can inspire and how I can inspire them, working with different people, speaking to the likes of yourself that have done 
unbelievable things. So again, for me, it's about that. It's about enjoying every single moment that you have. And it's not always going to be easy, like, like what we said at the beginning. There's always going to be things that get thrown in. And, and, but then it's about, right, I can deal with that, that that time. And then if it comes at me again, I know how to deal with that. And there's nothing really that I've been, that's been thrown at me over the last 16 years that I haven't already dealt with. So I know how to deal with it. And, and that's the beautiful thing about it, isn't it? Because what, what we're doing is, like you said, about mindsets are being developed anyway. But if we take control and take the reins, we're developing a mindset and a blueprint that's actually going to serve us. Yeah. And that's how we'll ever respond to things and we'll react to things with, with that confidence, with that belief, with that resilience, that you, you're like, okay, well, throw it at me, but I'll deal with it. Yeah. Because the fact is, like, no, nobody's going to stop throwing things at you. you. You know, that's life. You go down the road and there's going to be obstacles and bumps and there's no getting away from that. But it's down to how we respond to it. So I want to ask you, you know, because I, I, I know you've got three children. I want to know what, uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what development you get them on, what regimes, what, what are their non-negotiables in the Coppinger household when it comes <laughs> to success habits? I, I genuinely think that it's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I sort of was so sort of inquisitive about myself, but also, so for my dad, my mum, kids, my wife, the people are buying in spun to be the best person they can be. And it's not always easy when, you were, when you're dealing with a, a 12, 13, and 6-year-old. But I, what I have learned is what, what I said at the beginning with the, about values, about having certain values within your makeup. And it's so difficult nowadays when they're involved in school, in different clubs, where kids haven't got them values or they've got different values, should we say. Mm. Um, and they're, they're questioning why, why they're doing certain things. So for me, it's about trying to stick to them values. But the biggest thing that I would say in parenting is, is, is consistency. So it's the same in everything that you do is consistent messages. Um, and it's the hardest thing as a parent because it's so easy sometimes to just say, no, you go and do that. It's fine. I can't be bothered with that. Or it's one of them days where you've just, you've had enough, but really you should just let them get away with it. But it doesn't help them. So for me, consistent messages from when they've been young. Uh, my daughter's obviously six and my two boys are 12 and 13. So she gets a little bit of preferential treatment, but um, so my wife says anyway. But uh, apart from that, I think it's just about being respectful and understanding that anything that they want to do is, is achievable. Yeah. I never really had that. And I'm not, so there's no disrespect or no slant on my parents or anything like that, or anybody that, that was associated with me around that time. But I never had anybody that told me that anything that you want to do, you can do if, if you do the right things, if you put things in place, if you work hard. So I try and do that. Um, I try and say, look, you can achieve anything. Every night before they go to bed, there's a thing on, on the wall of my daughter's bedroom saying, the impossible is possible and we sort of go through it and it's just little things like that that you start to think you know what like changing your thinking changing the way where sort of you were brought up and and you, do, you don't know what sort of impact it's going to have but it, it's done with the best sort of interest no i think i think that's really inspiring because you know kids kids mindset and, and visions do need expanding from a young age and you know there's so much that happens in the transformative years and if you look back at the transformative years I mean I look back at mine I say to my parents like I'm not really sure how I turned out I kind of have <laughs> <laughs> in, all, in all honesty it's kind of and again no disrespect there but I had a similar journey to you in terms of um, at 16 my parents then divorced and that completely you know knocked me for, for a number of years in terms of well what do I do now like what like, I had no idea at that point. Yeah. Um, and it, it does really affect you and impact you in, into everything, like your professional life, um, your mindset around your own relationships then, that then you sort of create and, and go on through life. And so, yeah, I, I, do, I do think that, um, like, childhood um, intervention and inspiration is, is definitely credible. So, yeah. In terms of that... Um, as well because you obviously you're, you deal with a lot of the, the youth players don't you in the academy now and because because dare I say it you're the, you're the veteran at the club um, <laughs> <laughs> I just get that jab in there <laughs> not um, for the first time 
the youth and the academy and some of the younger players that are coming through um, are looking up at you for that inspiration, aren't they? Not, not, not maybe in the same way as your, your six-year-old, for example, but they're still looking up at you for that inspiration. Um, so how do, you, how do you work with them? Like, do, do, do you get involved with them on a day-to-day basis? Do you go through any of their challenges that they're working on? I think, I think leading by example, um, I think the, the players within Doncaster have arguably watched me for years. I've been there 17 years. But I think I always try and go back to where I was at 16. And I know everybody's not going to be in that place, but at 16, you're leaving school and it's a, it's a crunch time. It's a double whammy for me um, in terms of being thrust into the football environment and being thrust into the real wide world. Um, you're leaving school, it's like, wow, what, what is all this? And if you aren't prepared, if you don't understand how to cope with certain things, if you've got, let's say, an 18-month contract where you have to impress to get a, a professional contract at the end of it, and you can't deal with certain things and you don't understand what, thing, what certain things are happening, um, and you've got these things going on off the pitch like we've spoke about, you're never going to maximise like what people are judging you on, which is your ability, your football, your technical suits. So it's important for me to understand the person, understand, build that relationship with the individual, and then start to sort of introduce strategies, tools, um, looking at it from a different viewpoint. I think it's important from my perspective as a mentor that I'm not a coach, I'm not the manager, I'm not directly involved with them day to day. So it's almost like I have a session with them once a month where we go through how things have gone. So it's, a, it's an initial setup where, what do you want out of the next season? So we work on a 12-month season. What do you want for the season? Where do you see yourself um, in 12 months' time? And then month by month, talking to them, what happened this month? Um, and then, then you sort of get a lot of information with regards to like training. Some of them might have been up and trained with the first time. I had one, one player say that, I got called up, he's 17, and I got asked to train with the first team and I went up there and he said straight away, I just, I just felt like there was a thousand eyes watching me. And I was like, that's unbelievable information for me because that's what he's thinking in his head. And I imagine there's not one person really cares about his, in, his, his, his technical ability. It's more about how he conducts himself as a person, um, his attitude, his reactions to getting the ball back. When he gives the ball back, when he gives the ball away, what does he do? How does he react? His body language so it's, it's important that I can sort of pass that information on and say look it actually doesn't matter how you perform because you're 17 people aren't expecting miracles from you they're just expecting you to go up and be confident and be self-assured um, be vocal I can give all these sort of uh, little hints and tips on what managers and coaches are looking for um, so I feel like the mentorship side of it is really really valuable for me to learn and grow on what these kids are thinking about and also for them to understand from from an older player's perspective what's expected of them yeah i mean it's it's really valuable for you to then help other people coming through in that way because you already know what their limiting beliefs are you already know what their obstacles are don't you if you, if yeah. you get back and you, you're collating more data from other people's experiences and not just your own with that, obviously, you know, you, you've been in one place at Doncaster for, this is your 17th year, right? Yeah. You've seen so many comings and goings and, you know, from youth, academy, first team. Do you know when you see a player who's going to make it and who doesn't? Um, you don't have to give me ins and outs and stories. No, no, it, it's a very good question because I think you have a good idea of, of players that are going to go on and do really well. Um, and again, what we spoke about is longevity. So players can, can go on and have really good seasons because, again, they don't have, a, they don't have that, that mindset. They're, they're almost working on confidence. So if they're, if they're doing really well, they'll go, yeah, really well, really well, really well, really well. And it almost could last. They could get momentum. It could last them a season. They could get a move for some really big money, sign a really good contract and then they get a little disappointment and then all of a sudden things come crashing down and people can't understand why this player has never re replicated what he did before and it's again, it's, it's about that, it's about the individual, it's about because he doesn't understand why that has happened and doesn't want to understand really how to, how to get back to where he was. I think you get them type of people, 
you get players that are really, really good technically at a, at a young age and think, wow, this guy's going to go on and have a great career. But again, he, he has a setback. He can't really conform to, to the sacrifices of a professional athlete um, off the pitch, eating, drinking, um, rest, looking after yourself, being in the right environment. So then they go down a different path. And then you get the ones that, like I was speaking about this individual a few minutes ago, that they want to know how they can get better. They want to know how they can improve. You see a huge improvement over a season. They come back fitter, stronger. They're ready to go to the next level. They're sort of testing the limits and, and going through the barrier of, right, in fact, the, one of them sort of a young age captain in the club and he's, he's sort of inspiring the group on a daily basis to reach a different level. And there's, there's people like that, but they're few and far between, if I'm being honest. Because when you get in an environment and a group of people, everybody conforms more or less to the same sort of thing. But it's a really good question. It's, it's something, again, that, that I'm conscious of. And throughout my whole career at Doncaster, I've sort of analysed and gone back and, and, and sort of looked at players and where they've gone 10 years later. And, you know, I go back and go, you know what? He was really, really good. But I actually thought that he wasn't going to make it because of his attitude and he didn't. Um, and then I look at players that have come and done really well and gone, you know what, I actually did pick him out and go, he is going to have a really good career. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Let's settle this debate then. What's, what's most crucial? What's the most crucial component for success, skill set or mindset? It's 100% mindset because your mindset controls your skill set and it's not the other way around. In my opinion, if you get your mindset right, if you can develop your mindset alongside your skill set, you're sort of, you're just going to go from strength to strength. And I believe that the the high-end athletes, sort of the ones that are competing in the Champions League, in the Premier League, internationally, I, I believe that they have that. They have the best physical attributes, they have the best technical attributes, tactical attributes, and mentally they're so switched on. They simplify everything. Um, they're not scared of making mistakes. They don't care what people say. And they've, they've built a mindset at a very young age, um, whether that be through a school of excellence, or, um, an academy, whether that be adversity. Andy Murray, for example, is one of my all-time sort of standout sports individuals. He is like the adversity he's, he's, he's been up against in every sort of off the, off the, the tennis court physically, mentally, um, and he's come through it, sort of won Wimbledon, won, won so many different majors, inspired so many different people. Uh, I think it's, it's 100% uh, mindset over skill set for me anyway. Thank you. I had to ask you that. I, I ask <laughs> all the uh, guests that come on the show of basically, you know, what it takes. Um, and I always say that, or ask, for opinion on whether or not business owners and entrepreneurs are born or not, you know, in terms of being successful, or yeah. or can anybody be a successful business owner and entrepreneur? And you know, if we asked you the question of could anybody be a professional um, sports person, could anybody be a professional footballer? I guess with what you're just saying is then the fact of well, technically speaking, yeah, in that yeah. respect, because if you've got your mindset you go out there and you, you, you learn everything else, don't you? Everything that we spoke about is all learned behaviour. Yeah, um, but I, I, I totally agree. And, and this is the, the, again, this is a conversation I have with a lot of people and a lot of people have, have the, the opinion that you are born a certain way. And for me, it isn't, it isn't true. I think it comes within though. Like for me, I love playing football. I gravitated <laughs> to something that I loved doing when I was younger. And I sort of, I wanted to work out what it was and be the best I could be at it. And it took me a while and a different route to go down. Like everybody's got a different route. But I do believe that anybody can be anything. But it's, it's again, them formative years where you sort of, you're dictated by the, your parents. I think a lot of parents, uh, their children replicate what they do. So you see musicians, uh, athletes, they, they genuinely go into that. You've got, I have friends that have gone into engineering because their dads are engineers and you listen to what people tell you so if your dad's telling you you, you you can only be born a professional footballer and you're not very good 
then you're never going to think that you're going to be a professional footballer. But if you've got somebody who's like telling you, look, you're doing really, really well, keep going, encouraging, um, saying all the right things. And it's a combination of everything, I think. But I genuinely feel like you're not born something. That's just my gen. What do you think? Um, I, I think... I don't think it's one hundred percent mindset. I'm not as I'm not as uh, I'm not going to put all my my business and my marketing <laughs> on that one with you. <laughs> but I I do think I do think fundamentally it's mindset. I do think skill skill set natural ability around skill set comes into it because some people are. Just so how do you develop that skill set then? Is that do you think that skill set's down to how you were born or your DNA or or do you think that's something that developed over how you think a little bit of both with it and you've got to be naturally like you just said about you've got to be naturally gravitation gravitational to something that you're interested in like you know some people say like oh you know Helen it's all right for you you're you're naturally confident well I'm not naturally confident at all I, I, I don't mind stepping out of a comfort zone because I like to feel confident and I like, I like what it brings. So then I apply the, the mindset behind it so that then you, you can go out and you can apply yourself because yeah. I know that what the opportunities bring when you've got confidence on the table. Like, yeah. like that, you know, but it's not a case of, you know, at, at birth I was born and I was anointed with, with confidence. You know, <laughs> at birth you weren't, you weren't anointed to say, right, go out there and, and, and go score goals and go and get all your, all your appearances that you've got. You know, you weren't anointed with that, but you have that natural ability within you, one, that you're interested in, and two, that then, you, you know, you want, to, you want to follow that through. So you, not everybody can, can kick a ball, even if they're passionate with a ball. But then I, I have, obviously, two kids that are of similar age and... One sort of gravitates to football and one really doesn't, but he does, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But I can, because I'm conscious of this sort of, not argument, but this sort of debate, I've watched from a young age and I see one who, who looks at it in a different way. So one thinks a certain way and one thinks a different way. And the one that people think, say to me all the time, oh, he's, he's gifted. It's like, he's not, he's not gifted. Like, I don't get how you think he's gifted. Like he's actually developed his gift from a young age by looking at it in, in a different way to this person. Uh, and that's what I believe. I believe that it's how you, from a young age, sort of take on certain things and certain feelings and develop them into, whether it be football, whether it might be um, like singing, whether it be acting, whether it be business, whatever it is. That's what I believe. But again, because we can't see it, because we don't know, we're just guessing, yeah. um, which which is is good because at the end of the day, sort of like you said, it's a combination. It could be a combination of a lot of things. And I, I genuinely do believe it is that combination. It is a cocktail, basically, but we've got yeah. to be in control of, of creating it. And that control of over creation has to come from the mind because it comes in the decision. Yeah, it comes in the decision, like you said about um, one of your kids looking at the football in a different way. That comes from that decision, same as you know your decision about you know what what you want to take forward in life, how you want to deal with things. Do you want to succeed? Do you want a do you want a six figure salary before you're twenty five? Like, do you want to do you want to go forward in business? Like, it all comes from a decision. But yeah. The, yeah. what 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 variables you need to bring to the table through your mindset, through your skill set, and everything else are all learned behaviours. Therefore, for me, I, I think that if, if for somebody to be successful, they're choosing to be successful. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it's, it's funny because as you get older, you, you realise that, that not everybody wants to be successful. Um, and that's all right. People want, a lot of people that I grew up with want to go to work, earn money, have the weekend off and then go back to work. But they don't want to do it, but they do because it's comfortable, because it's what they do. Um, not everybody wants to go and get up at 6.30 in the morning, go and train, um, then have to not eat the right things, do the right things. Not everybody wants that. They might think they want it, but they actually don't want it. So I think you're right. I think, in my opinion, it comes from loving something, so wanting something that badly. Um, I, I, I saw a podcast recently about obsession 
every footballer that I've ever met that's been successful is obsessed with football to the point where I'm not. So I genuinely believe that I played at a certain level because I'm not that obsessed. Although I love playing football, it's not my life. It's not my be all and end all. I watch football and I love watching football at home, but it's not an obsession for me. Whereas the ones at the top, it's an obsession. I use Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Wayne Rooney, um, people that have had an unbelievable career, careers over a long period of time. And I've read all their books and, and looked at everything they do. And it's an obsession to the point where I don't think I would have wanted that. And in fact, I didn't want it because I chose not to do that. Does that make sense? Are you, are you obsessed, though? you're obsessed with mindset, you're obsessed with growth, you're obsessed with development. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I am, well, I was at 21, so sort of once I started to sort of understand what it was and how I could develop it. Yeah. But I was never, so again, I never went through an academy or a school of excellence, whereas these players lived and breathed. Although I lived and breathed it, I did it in a different way. Um, I did it on my terms. So it was like, if I wanted to go, I'd go. If I didn't, I, I wouldn't. Um, whereas these would be there every single week. Like Liverpool mad, uh, Chelsea mad, Man United mad. Like this is my life. This is this is me. This is I'm giving everything to this. I can't really say that I've done that. Um, although I've given a lot, I haven't given every single thing. But I've chose to do that, and that's something that I'm comfortable with um, in terms of my career. So I'm happy to have had a long career at the level that I've played at. I remember one manager specifically questioning me on that, saying that I lacked sort of any sort of um, ambition. Really? Yeah. Um, like, you know who, but we'll, we'll <laughs> <not> record that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but again, that's, that's because I've been at one club and I've had opportunities to leave. So I've had opportunities to leave. But for me personally, my, my motivation has always been about being happy and content. And I never, I've never, never taken money over happiness ever, not once in my career. And I could have on numerous occasions, but I've never felt the need to do that. But that's just the way the way but I chose to do things. Again, just to wrap all of that up with you know what we've just covered there, and then you know what you, what we're just discussing right now is the fact that your mindset is personal to you. Yeah. Your mindset is going to be completely different to mine. It's got a completely different experience. It's got a completely different blueprint. You've got totally different values that it's based upon from how I live my life and what I do. There's very there's a lot of similarities, but it's different. It's different. We can't just plug your mind into my mind, for example, or vice versa, and we just program the same. Like everything's very different. So the fact of you know how we then perceive and understand what success actually is, is different in, in, in people. What people's yeah. um, goals are, what the vision are, what they want from life, what their ambition is. Like somebody else's, um, that, that manager's um, um, ambition definition might have been completely different to your ambition definition. It was. Yeah, it was. And it was money. He was money-oriented. Right. So that's why he couldn't see from my point of view. Um, whereas I never do that. I never sort of, I would never judge somebody on that because, again, what you're saying is right. is It's different for different people. Absolutely. And that's okay. And I think if, yeah. regardless of, you know, what, what sector anybody's in, whether it's business, whether it's professional sport, whether it's just life, you know, whether it's, it's the children that are being inspired and educated through the, the school system, whatever it is, we, you know, we should give permission for that, that, that it's okay to develop your mindset for what, you're, what you want to um, achieve as long as you can understand you and your programming and and know that the possibilities and the potentials there if you choose to take it yeah and you know you said there about being successful and I always say you know what constitutes a success like what is success to people like what what even is it how do we quantify it because you said there about you'd never take money over happiness and success to some people is measured in happiness and fulfillment not monitoring. 100%. And that's exactly how I, I quantify it by setting goals and targets yeah. and hit, hitting them goals and targets. And sometimes I, I, I got to the point where I'd said, right, I want to achieve this or I want to do this. And it was always around um, playing games, setting up goals, scoring goals, 
been successful, getting promoted. It was never around appearance money, uh, bonuses, contract money. I, I'm going to be earning X amount of money a week. Uh, all goals and all them performance related goals give me the money. So I, I started earning money at 30. I signed my best contract at 30 based around what I'd been doing from 21 to 30. Sort of set myself up to the point where I, I was earning sort of really, really good money. But that wasn't, that wasn't down to me thinking, right, when I'm 30, I want to be earning a million pounds or I want to be earning two million pounds or whatever it is. It was about, right, by the time I'm 30, I want to have had two promotions. I want to have done this. I want to have done that. So that's the way I worked and that was my success. But what comes with success is the monetary gain, which obviously helps and is, is what people, it, it helps and, and creates that happiness. Um, but for me, again, with everything else, it, it's a combination of, of a lot of things. But the main motivation for me was sort of being happy. You know what I find really admirable um, is the fact that when, when I asked you what your success habits are in the Coppinger household and you said, um, I like to instill consistency in the kids and you know their regime, their routine, what they do, how you communicate, what your core messaging is. There's no accident that you said that in terms of how your career's gone and what you've just said there because consistency epitomizes who you are and what you're about because you know, you're known on the pitch at Doncaster for being calm, collective, dependable. You know, you're always there. And that's, that's created off the back of how you adopt yourself and how you apply yourself with consistency. So there's no way yeah, that yeah. that's infiltrated down into your household, is it, and your kids? I think it is sort of, it's a blueprint, like you said. It's a blueprint of success for me. And on and off the pitch, I always say to my kids to be, um, open and honest as well is a big thing is talk about anything that they've got sort of going on um, some some are better at it than others but I think it's it's huge that that talking and getting things off your chest and sort of um, at a young age is massive because when you learn to do that you learn to move on you learn to get rid of it and then move forward whereas if you if you don't and you keep it there and then you move on and then you keep the next thing there and then you keep the next thing there then it gets to a stage where things get too much and you do sort of start to, it does start to affect you. So that's something else that I'm conscious of is look, sit down, like I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of a difference in your uh, body language, your mannerisms, how you, how you sort of behaving. Is there anything that you need to tell me? And it's never, it's never sort of, or it should never be a big thing. It's like, look, this is the norm. Like, but again, different people, different individuals, and one's better than the other, but it's about trying to get the other one to go along with that, if you like. Yeah, grasp it for themselves. Yeah. Brilliant. James, thank you so much. I'm going to wrap this up. Obviously, I know we've discussed and touched upon pro mindset. That's your next vision. And, you're, well, it's already, it's already there. It's already, you know, it's already working and, and up and running. And it's your um, mindset business for um, mentorship, isn't it? And coaching through personal development, mindset, growth, everything that we've co uh, covered. Um, and that's your next step after uh, your final year and your final bow out of the, uh, out of the keep note. Yeah, no, it, it's scary, not scary, but it's 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 this fixtures came out today. So the last game of the season's at home. Been there seventeen years, twenty three, four years as a professional footballer. It's like I don't think I can't remember the last time we had a fixture at home on the last day of the season. It's almost fate. So I think with like you said, pro mindset, it's evolving, and I think like I've alluded to in in the conversation that it's about communication. It's about this is something everybody's doing every single day. Like it's not a weird and wonderful thing that, that people should sell it as, you know, like do this thing and you will be more successful. It's like, no, no, like you're already doing it. Just learn to control it. Uh, learn to understand that you can do this and you will improve the way you feel. You will improve your results. You will improve this. And, and that's all it is for me. And that's what I'm trying to evolve to is look, Develop a professional mindset and that is, is what it is for you. But just know that you have something there so that whenever you get a setback or a disappointment, you can, you know what, or somebody who I can talk to to deal with that. Or I've, I actually did something the other day that, that is very similar to that. So I'll have a look at that. That's all it is. You know, um, it's something. 
that people can can have but it's really exciting i think again 24 years of doing something that i've enjoyed i feel like the next 24 years hopefully will be doing something that i enjoy and passing on that sort of knowledge and experience to other people well there's certainly something that needs to be said your your first 24 years in 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 profession albeit obviously on the pitch has been impactful for you and for many others around you um you know all of your all of your fans all of your uh, your friends your family yeah everybody that you've come across you know there's been so much impact there the kids through obviously all the the, the youth academy the the kids through the education system through the football club and everything that you do on and off the field and then the next 24 when you're dealing with pro mindset and you're helping even more people I'm, I'm confident that the impact's going to spread even further so you know well done you credit to you and I could like I said there's so much to cover off I could continue talking to you all night but thank you ever so much for joining us on uh, the what it takes show for who wants to be an entrepreneur and um, you've been a great you've been a great guest great um, you know stories that you're sharing with us and great insight into your life and how your mindset works and I'd love to have you back next year once you've hung your boots, boots up and you've got, even, uh, you've got even more stories to tell us and, and let us know how you're getting on with the uh, with impacting more lives through pro mindset if you want to uh, if you want to join us back then as well that'd be awesome I'd love to it's been an absolute pleasure I've um, the time's absolutely flown by um <laughs> Because it's it's so sort of it's so good to talk at this level, in my opinion. Sort of trying to get that awareness and understanding out there, sharing experiences, and I've really really enjoyed it. So thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Cheers, Helen. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.